This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 36. In our last episode, we talked about the magic of play and how we can use that to connect to our right brain and to build creativity, energy, passion, excitement, and all of the things to get to our next level. I hope that you had a chance to apply that to your life and see what impact it has had on you. If nothing else, I know play can be a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Now this week, I'd like to continue the conversation of connecting to our brain, even when we feel that it's not connecting to us. So how many times have you felt like you want to focus on something, you want to do something, and yet your brain is totally distracted and wanting to do its own thing? Sometimes our brain is not our best friend, but there are definitely strategies that we can use to help recenter our brain, to refocus, and to figure out what are the things that we can do, even if you feel like your brain is totally distracted and behaving like a toddler. My guest today, is an expert in this area. And I think you are going to love our discussion and the actionable tips on how to do the things that you want to, even if your brain is having a toddler moment and help us get to the next level. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Diana Mercado Marmarosh. She is a family medicine physician, chief medical officer, clinical medical director, among some of the hats that she wears. And she's also founder of Overachieve Life Coaching, a company designed to help coach physicians create systems that support them to reclaim their time, even if they have ADHD. Hi, Diana. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you as well. And I would love for you to share a little bit. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about your journey and and how you've found that balance when you are wearing all of those hats, especially if there have been any situations of burnout or overwhelm. Sure. That's a great question. Sometimes you're very outspoken and you don't realize you're the only one speaking. And because of that, people just assume you're going to do this or that because you keep saying yes, or you keep speaking up for ways to improve your environment or the environment around those who are near you. And so before you know it, you start collecting titles that you weren't (laughs) even aware that you were going to get. And yeah, so I guess it's probably something that people grow up 
up with. They just sometimes, I guess, I've been called a natural born leader, but I don't really see myself as a natural born leader. I just feel like I have to speak up. And in doing so, the culture changes, especially mm -hmm. when it's not a good culture. So I always knew I wanted to help people. And even when I was in, in high school, I, I guess I was in denial that I wanted to be a doctor. But now looking back, the steps that I took were lining me up for that. I went to a conference. I'm from South Texas, which is, I call it Little Mexico, because in South Texas, it's like everybody speaks Spanish and we're mainly all Mexicans. And so I went to a program when I was a sophomore in high school. And I come from a family like my parents were immigrants. The only way for me to travel or explore the world was through education. So I learned that early on. So when I was a 10th grader, I went to a program in Oklahoma, which was another state for me because I'm from Texas. And it was my first encounter with meeting people of all different ethnicities, which I loved that diversity. And that started to open my eyes to the possibility. And that program was called Upper Bound Math and Science. And it was a commitment for six, I don't remember if it was six weeks or eight weeks in the summer. And they had a shadowing like doctors. And again, I, in my mind, I came for the math part of it because I thought I was going to be an accountant or I was going to be a business person and I was going to be international business because I wanted to, again, travel the world. Mm -hmm. And I actually got my scholarship for international business. And I did that one semester. And then I this is not what I thought. And I went back to medicine, to pre-med. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up being a teacher too, just in case, because I wasn't sure I that I was going to get in right away. I saw a lot of very competent colleagues or who weren't getting into med school right away. So I wanted to have a backup plan just in case. And I remember doing my first interview, they're like, what are you going to do if you don't get in? Because your scores are not that great. Like your standardized scores, my, my work ethic, obviously, like everybody, maybe not everybody, but for me, I struggled my first year and then I did better. And then I ended up doing fine, but my standardized tests were never awesome, so to say. And so when they asked me, what are you going to do when you don't get in? And I said, oh, no worries. I'm going to go teach and then I'll be back next year. I'll see you next year. And I think having that confidence and knowing that you don't know how, because nobody ever has gone through that is you don't know what you don't know, and it keeps you going. And so you don't make it mean anything that it might take you 10 steps, and it might take somebody else two steps, and you don't even know that it took them two steps because you didn't know what you were doing. And so I think that's a blessing. And at the same time can be a curse because we tend to be a little bit stubborn when we want something. And sometimes that can lead to burnout, because you don't realize that you need to ask others for help that you don't have to do it all yourself. And it was during my first year as a medical student that I got diagnosed as ADHD. At that point, I did wasn't sure whether it was that I was anxious or nervous or depressed or um, worried. My dad had just gotten diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I, of course, I had all the pressure of being the first person in my family to be a physician to be. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to fail anybody. And so anyways, finally, I got diagnosed with ADHD. And that was it because I looked around and everybody in my family behaved like me. I thought this was just the norm. And now I realize that it's genetic and it can be across ethnicities. And at that point in my mind, I felt guilty. Or I felt embarrassed. I felt like it was a privilege to have been chosen in this career. And then I felt like me having ADHD, man, that I had to work extra hard to quote unquote, stay within the 
the box that I needed to be because medicine didn't leave room for any possible mistakes or memory problems because that could mean danger for somebody. So instead of being curious and learning how to use that towards me, I was in my head. So that eventually led to me being like not, I was still speaking up and saying what I wanted to, but at times it could have been construed as whatever, but I was like, whatever. I still ended up being chief medical officer at Baylor. So it worked out to be speaking <laughs> up. And I think it was not until the pandemic when I joined Empowering Women Physicians. I remember doing that questionnaire that asked if you were burned out. And I was like, clearly not. Like everywhere I was going down the line because in my my mind, of course, I was going to be exhausted. Of course, I was going to feel like crap because I was a mother of two at that time. I had a one and a three-year-old and, and I was having all those responsibilities, clinical medical director, nursing medical director, like covering the hospital, covering the clinic, covering the nursing home, overseeing nurse practitioners and the kids and driving them back and forth. And I didn't realize that I was living a reactive life, that I could choose like what I focus my time. I'm on. I just thought I said yes to these things. These are the things I need to do. And that's that. But later on, as things went by, I realized that that it's whatever I make of it, whatever my thoughts were, and that I could say no to things that didn't necessarily want to do. And it would be okay that it wasn't my job to keep my colleagues happy. It was my job to keep me happy and to understand me and my family and my time. And it, it was such a shift from realizing seeing that maybe I was burned out. And what if I did only have 24 hours to live? Would I actually be doing what I'm doing? Or would I pick up the phone and call some of my friends? Or would I go on vacation? Or what would I do? And so that's, I guess, slowly you collect hats, so to say, because you keep showing up. And sometimes other people don't say or they raise their hands and they're glad that you did. And then you realize that here you are. So after going through that program, then I was like, oh my God, life coaching. So I only know life coaching for the last year and it's been truly inspirational. It has truly changed my brain chemistry, I would say. I had never even thought about therapy or any of other things because in my mind, this was just life. This was normal to be stretched yourself so thin to give uh, water from an empty glass until there's nothing else to give and you just thought that was the norm. And once I realized that was not the case and that I I could purpose design my life and be mindful of that. That's when I think the true joy and peace started to come in. Even though if you asked anybody, they would have said, oh yeah, she's happy. And I think I was, but I didn't realize how much of a frantic energy it was until, until all the Meg in the, in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. So much of what you said resonated for me. First of all, I want to ask you where in Texas were you, did you live? before. I used to live in Houston, Sugarland area. So yeah, you're right next door to you. I, I went to UT Health Science Center in Houston. So uh-huh. I did my medical school there and then to Baylor for College of Medicine. Mm-hmm. So I was there again. Oh. And then I actually met my husband online and he's from New York, but he was working for NASA. Once we got engaged, we were living together in Clear Lake area. Yeah. All right there. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Love it. And really, there were so many things that you said that that I was just like even just reflecting for myself the realization we can say no we think we have to say yes when people ask us things but the just that first realization that we can say no and we can actually intentionally
intentionally design and build what we want to see versus being reactive all the time and just doing all the things in our to-do list and have the things in our to-do list or what other people put on it anyway. And so I think that just really taking a moment to just take a breath and say, we don't have to say yes to everything. And sometimes these may even be things that we want to do that they're like, oh, it sounds like fun. But just recognizing that there is for all of us 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and we can't do it all. And then look at all the things we do. And we wonder, why am I so exhausted? Like, why do I not have enough time? Why am I not able to go work out or make time to nourish myself or any of those things? It's because of all the things that we have, all of the things that we feel that we need to do. So I think that's a really great recognition. And, and I loved what you shared about just like opportunities are all around us and that we don't have to know all of the steps. We can figure it out as we go. We can ask for help. We don't have to do it all. So I think all of those are, are key. And, and then we don't have to stay within the box, whatever box we think we have to stay within. We are very fluid creatures. We're humans with who are growing and we get to explore who we are and, and explore that. So all of that was so amazing. And I am a huge believer of Brandon Brown's work. And I think being in, in Texas, especially Houston, you can't help but be around her. So I heard a little bit of echo of looking at that self-blame or feeling that shame, blame, guilt, like all of that struggle, really letting go of that and giving ourselves compassion. And so I think there's so many pearls really for us to explore wherever we are. So me, our listeners just thinking, okay, this is where I am. How do I apply this to my life? If I'm exhausted, what are some things that maybe I don't need to have on my plate right now? How do I ask for help? And how do I do it even if I don't know all the steps? So I, I love that. Yeah. So I think um, learning to say no and knowing that no <laughs> is a full sentence. Like you don't have to explain why it's a no. Like you can just say no and like close them out. It's human nature to want to explain like why, like why mm-hmm. you're saying no. And, and I remember I would say like little small lies. Like I would, like if I would say no, I would say no because I'm on call and maybe I wasn't mm-hmm. on call, but I didn't want to just say no because because I felt embarrassed to just say no. But the more you say no to the things that really are not meant to be right now, the more you're saying yes to yourself, to the things that you do want to do right now. And so that's how you think about it. If you think I'm saying no from a place of awareness, and just because you say no, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's no forever because Mm -hmm. there's a time and a place for everything. Mm -hmm. If it's meant to be, right? If it's not, then delegate that. Yeah, Absolutely. And I love that you said it may be just not right now. And we can even say that. And we do. And I think we want to fill in the gap. Like we want to tell them, oh, this is why it's happening this way. Or this is why I can't party or whatever it is. Instead of saying, I, I really am exhausted. And I just, I need to, I need to stay in and rest. And yeah, same thing just to say no. And that we don't have to fill in the gap and tell them everything that is going on in our, it's okay to say no. I have a list actually, it's called someday, maybe later. And and so I put all the things that come along my way that I'm like, that sounds cool. I don't have time to do it right now, but that's something I'd like to consider for the future. And even things like I'd eventually like to try paragliding. So it's on my Sunday later list. Yeah. Um, like all the things, it doesn't have to be like, oh, this job thing. It could be someday later, I have projects in my house that need done. So right, I put right. it there and it doesn't create another open tab in your brain that you have all of these things percolating, but you can really have a clear 
your mind, almost empty mind, so you can be present in the moment and just really enjoy where things are now instead of thinking, oh yeah, I need to do that later. I need to do this later and thinking of we're wasting our now thinking about later. Yeah. So that's, that was something that I really had to learn that ADHD, like there's really only two types of time for people with ADHD. It's either right now Mm -hmm. or not right now. And so that's good and bad. That's good because if it's right now and like stuff can be going south, like you're cool as a cucumber, like you can figure it out because you don't, the time is fluid for you. So whether it's five minutes or an hour, like I can't tell. And so it seems like it's just right now. But at the same time, if it's out of sight, out of mind, I can really forget. I don't mean to forget, but I will forget. So that's why it's so important that if it's not right now, and if it was important that you do put it on your calendar, otherwise you will not go. It's gone. You won't get there. And so this can transition into like things that do create time and things that do deplete time. And as we all will know, like time for me, time is our most valuable asset, right? Like we all come into this world for a certain amount of time. We don't know how long, but while we're here, like the only way to quote unquote, get some of our time back sometimes is by maybe paying somebody to do certain things for us that maybe we don't want to do that can buy us back some time. So like maybe cleaning the house or somebody shopping for groceries for us or somebody cooking dinner or something like that, that maybe you don't want to do per se, but somebody else can gladly do for you. So that Mm -hmm. can create time, like making a decision will make time. But like the number one key to being more efficient is actually planning. Mm -hmm. And most people with ADHD usually want to run away when I say that word, like planning, (laughs) because they're like, ah, you're putting me in a box again but the thing is like I just said like when you plan then at least you have a roadmap of what's coming up ahead either the next day or during the week or during the month and then you can make sure that plan accordingly and that you do honor that plan right because if you don't then you get yourself in a lot of trouble later on like you could forget that you had to pay fees for renewing your CME hours or renewing a license or different things like that, or maybe just your driver's license or paying your taxes, right? Like things Mm -hmm. like that can get us into problems. So creating times, to create time, you want to make a decision. Like you want to act on that decision and you want to make sure that once you decided it was a no, you constrain. Like you don't go back and say, well, actually I'm feeling guilty that I said no. Like you constrain Mm -hmm. and and you say the no because otherwise you're going to again be in a place of doing things just for pleasing others. And when you do make a decision and sometimes things don't go as planned, actually failing creates time. It sounds silly, but I have now learned to see failing not as a fail, but more as a lesson learned so that you can pivot and then be able to make the next decision. Mm -hmm. So failing, instead of just thinking about it still, (laughs) gets you closer to the end result. It creates more time because 
it moves you forward to the next thing. But mm -hmm. things that will deplete your time are going to be sitting there in indecision, buffering, worrying, wondering, reminiscing, judging mm -hmm. yourself or judging others, like, or regretting not doing whatever, or just being overwhelmed, or even like people pleasing. Some of us mm -hmm. tend to want to do things because what are they going to think of me? But all mm -hmm. that's going to deplete your time. So if you make a plan, you honor your decision and you take step, you are going to really create time for yourself. Yeah, I love it. What a great way to even just break down time management. One of the things, I think there's a quote, if you fail to plan, then you can plan to fail. And it is so true. Now, I, I hear from a lot of people who are like, I just I don't like to plan and have follow a calendar and all that. And I tell them, actually, my calendar has so much free space. I intentionally create free space where I get to do whatever I want. I don't like plan every single thing. This is when I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is when I'm going to chop up the vegetables. Like I don't do that. But I put the things that need to happen on a timely fashion on my list. I put the things that are focused for the week. I put, I, I definitely put like children's pickup time or activities on the list because I too, I don't want to have to worry. Am I forgetting something? Is there something that I need to be doing? What I want is to be in the moment and enjoy my time where I am right now. Yeah. And the only way I can do that is if I say, I trust that whatever I need to do is on my calendar and the reminders will come up as I need to do them and the rest of it, I can just enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people, this planning because they think they're putting like the 10,000 things that their brain tells them a day. But the thing is, planning does not have to be difficult. It really can be simple and it should be simple because the more clutter that you put on there, the less likely you're actually going to do it. You need to be intentional. And like you said, the most important thing that you actually do is block out your free time, your fun time first, because when you do that, then you actually are like, I block off once I used to do it, like once uh, a month, like mm -hmm. uh, a day, and I would put meeting with the CEO and I was the CEO of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> I love it. So because honestly, our free time as a mother or as a parent or mm -hmm. as an adult is always the first thing to go. So mm -hmm. if you don't protect it, like you are meeting with a very important person, you're never gonna have time because mm -hmm. you're always gonna find this other thing. So it forces you to really plan that fun time and protect it like a hawk, because then the, you're gonna be more efficient in the other things you're gonna tell yourself, yeah, I have to do this in this time. And that's it. I, I used to be a person prior to a year ago, when I joined EWP, who had always like 300 charts open, that was just <laughs> a norm for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And even though I wanted to protect time, I just didn't realize that it was a love-hate relationship. I, I was spending at least 20, 20 hours outside of work, like doing the charge, doing the in-basket. I'm a family medicine doc, so you could easily see 20 patients a day. That's like a couple of weeks of you getting behind. And sometimes it takes one or two patients throughout your day that just make your whole schedule come to a halt. And then after that, forget it. You're somewhere else. You, even though you're trying to, your mind keeps telling you I'm behind and you just never catch up. Mm -hmm. But again, now I realize, okay, brain, you're trying to protect me. I'm not really behind. I'm okay. 
okay, it's going to be fine. And so now because I've learned all these things that I'm telling you, it's now or not now, and it's my thoughts, then I do give myself those four or five minutes after each encounter to sit and close the chart. And even if it is quote unquote, a complicated patient, I still give myself those four to five minutes mm -hmm. so that afterwards, maybe I end up with five open charts at the end of the day that are quote unquote complicated, but now 20, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot easier for me to then close the charts because I had to get curious working with an ADHD coach who taught me the systems, who taught me that people with ADHD, we, we tend to be very bad at the time. We'll mm -hmm. tell you how long it takes us to do something, but we forget to tell you, yeah, to bake that pasta, I'm going to tell you it's going to take me six minutes, but I'm not going to tell you that I don't even have the damn pasta in my house. Like I have to go shop for it. I don't even have the sauce. Like I don't tell you that. And I'm not even aware of it until I'm like trying to do it. So I am just telling you like the middle part of it. I don't mm -hmm. tell you the prepping part. And I definitely don't tell you the cleaning part that goes afterwards. Right. Like right. to me, that's not, that's not how I tell you. So mm -hmm. it's really funny. Like I would tell my husband, okay, I'll see you in 20 minutes. He's like, I'll see you in an hour then. And I was like, no, I said 20 minutes. He's like, yeah, I'll see you in an hour. So he just <laughs> pre-learned like how he needed to do my timing because he knew I was so bad at figuring it out. So it's so important to be aware of this, especially if you know somebody with ADHD, if you have a colleague, if you have a son, if you have somebody else, it's not that we're trying to be difficult. We really have no time. But now that we are aware, at least now you can think, okay, it's a recipe. I got to count all the parts and give them a better a time awareness. And, and for example, like if I have to go somewhere like the doctor's office, like uh, it's a three o'clock appointment in my mind, I could walk out of here at 250 and still make it even though it's a 20 minute drive. You're like, how are you going to make it right? We forget like the steps in between. And, and so that gets us into a lot of trouble. So that's why I now feel like it's important to talk about this so that we normalize it that we just mm -hmm. think a little bit different doesn't mean it's bad. It's just now having that insight so that you can be more a little bit more accurate. Oh my goodness. And creating time awareness so important because we do sometimes we like even lie to ourselves. Oh yeah, it only takes 20 minutes to do it. And you're like, no, it takes 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So creating time awareness and owning it. Okay. This is how long I'm going to need. So instead of trying to squeeze three more things in that time, why don't I just do the one thing that I'm supposed to like that I want to, I think that's a, a great point to highlight. Now, tell me a little bit about, I know that you're also a habit aficionado like me. So tell me a little bit about how do you approach habit building and, and figuring out, okay, what's the next step and ways that maybe you can even support habit building with ADHD? Yeah. Yeah. So recently, like the last year, like I said, I've become so curious about how can I help myself? Like I finally realized that we all have systems, right? We don't think they're systems, but they are like a habit is something we do automatically. The problem is that some systems are very inefficient and we don't realize they're inefficient because this mm -hmm. is the way we've always done it. It just always takes that amount. Not until somebody else can be like, why are you doing it that way? Is it really helping you? Is it not? You're like, oh, I always done it this way. 
what if you did this and this? You're like, oh, okay, maybe that could work. So I read a book, Atomic Habits, and I think that book has been like what has finally like unlocked my brain to be able to not make systems be something that's out there that is hard to do, that it's weird, but I've learned to see as something that can enhance you. So the way he teaches Atomic Habits, he says that if you do something like a little bit at a time, even 1%, you try to improve yourself every day. At the end of the year, you might be a totally different person compared to how you started. And so he says that to have a good habit, so to say, or an effective habit, like you need to make things have four things. Like it has to be obvious. It has to be attractive. It has to be easy. It has to be satisfying. And then if you have quote unquote, a bad habit or inefficient habit, then you want to do the inverse of that. You want to make it invisible. You want to make it unattractive. You want to make it difficult. You want to make it unsatisfying. So I can give you a couple of examples that he uses just so that people can like brainstorm a little bit and and think of that. For example, like if you want to make something easy, you want to make it attractive and readily available. So let's say you want to start reading, right? So it's more important that you start to identify as a person who reads than a person who finishes a book. Because a person who finishes a book, even though it sounds amazing, can be very challenging for you or for your brain to grasp the whole thing. But if you say, I can do something for two minutes, I can just read something for two minutes, all of a sudden you're becoming this person who's a reader. Or if you say, oh, I'm going to try meditation, I'm just going to try it for two minutes, all of a sudden you're a person person who meditates, or if you start to exercise, all of a sudden you're a person who exercises, not necessarily somebody who does a marathon or so, but it's just that mind shift. So you want to make it easy and attractive. So like maybe you put your clothes, if you're going to start exercise, like right there next to your shoes and your sneakers, your sneakers, your sweater, everything right there. As soon as you wake up, you have it right there. There's no excuse that, oh, I have to go find it like you have everything prepared so you're it's like you're helping you're making it attractive and easy and satisfying because it's all right there but more importantly the hack you have to know when you're doing whatever you're gonna do so you can't just say okay I'm gonna start exercising you have to say on Tuesday at the park at 5 30 I'm gonna go for a walk so that's specific with the intention right that tells you where what you're doing for how long instead of just oh I'm gonna start exercising one day so one day is not a day in the calendar like you need to like make sure you you spin it down and when you have it stacked meaning if you're already doing something let's say you are already gonna go for a walk to go walk your dog so if you were already gonna go walk your dog let's say you wanted to start read something or but you're not one to read so maybe you decided you're gonna buy audible and so you're going to listen to audible while you're walking the dog you were already going to walk the dog but now you added something in addition to that so that makes it like attractive that makes it more satisfying because it's not like you're going out of your way so that's a good way to start to create habits that you can stack them together so for me like I do not like to wash 
dishes. So then I'll turn on like Shakira music or some like upbeat music that I'm so intrigued and so focused in the music that I'm having fun with it instead of being like, why me damn dishes? So excuse my language, but that's how I feel with the dishes. I feel like, why me? But when I put something like that to it, it makes it now more fun and you're not, it doesn't feel as much work. So now let's say we all have this habit and it's one, two, trying to break of going down the rabbit hole with Facebook. So maybe to make it invisible, maybe I leave the phone somewhere else to charge. Like I don't have it right next to me as I'm trying to have dinner with my family because I know that if I'm trying to have dinner and I'm looking on Facebook, I'm going to be laughing and laughing, but I'm going to be totally like ignoring my family. And so my family is not going to be satisfied from that. And so you want to make it invisible put it in another room. I've had some of my clients who are working with me with a charting say that they pay their nurse $5 per chart that they don't close. And so if they don't close that day, five charts, they pay them 25. And then if the next day they still haven't closed them another five, so that's another 25, five charts. So you can see how that's kind of, it hits you where it hurts, right? Sometimes with the money and sometimes people don't care, but some, most people that puts a fire to get stuff going. So making it fun, making it different, but yeah. So atomic habits, I think has been one of, the best things that have allowed me to start to think outside of the box instead of just thinking, oh, this is the way I've always done it. And this is the way it's always going to be to keep doing something that you've done before and expect a different result is like insanity. <laughs> so you have to be willing to try something different. And maybe the first time that you try it, it doesn't work out and you keep trying until you hit the sweet spot and then it doesn't be, it doesn't make it mean so much. Mm -hmm. So that's important. And, and then just being aware that you have to reframe your mindset because a lot of us, unfortunately, can have a fixed mindset where we think, oh, this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's going to be. So let's say you grew up with a certain amount of money and buying a car, it seems like out of your price range. So you're not even dreaming that how am I going to buy that car? But if you have a growth mindset where you're like, I don't know how, but the question is not how, when am I going to buy it? What am I going to do? So now you're like not even questioning whether you're going to buy it or not, or if you have money or not, but you're taking steps to make it a reality. So it's very different. One thinks this is the way it's been. My family can never afford that type of car. We're always going to be in public transportation. We're always going to have a bike or whatever and nothing wrong with that. But if you can even stretch your mind to think how can can I, what do I have to do? Then that's where we miss the boat. And, and it's there's nothing magical with one versus the other. It's just deciding. Again, it's just a decision of what steps can I do to, to accomplish that, right? So you got to make it easy. You have to reduce the amount of steps, prime your environment so that you can get that stuff to happen and make it satisfying, make it enjoyable, make it fun. One of the things I, I like to do is I do the five minute cleanup. So literally I put on a timer for five minutes and everybody in my family, even my kids that are now three and four, like they'll pick up their toys, like in a frantic, it's like a game. And so if you notice, if everybody does five minutes, depending how many people are in your household, let's say four. So four times five, that's 20 minutes. And if you do that seven days a week, that's two hours of 
cleaning that you did in five minutes as a team. And so who wants to clean for two hours? No one. But if you do it like this, then it's a game and it's fun. And you literally, that's all you did. You did five minutes and you can go on about your day. I love it. So many words of wisdom. And I am a huge fan of uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear as well. I think he really breaks it down in a way that makes it accessible to. And so I I love that you broke down the, the steps and just how do you get started? How do you start building a habit? How, how do you intentionally build something like that? And, and then ways that we can habit stack and include like temptation bundling and motivations and all of that stuff. I loved it. By the way, your five minute cleanup is genius. I am going to use it in my house. I just, I was just thinking that would be, that would work really well. Like it could be just after dinner, whatever. Exactly. Yes. And it's really not, it makes it easy for everybody, but I think we underestimate what we can do in short periods of time. We think we have to do something like for an hour or two to do something big, but really what if we just did something for five minutes and over a week, over a year, look at how much we're really contributing to whatever that goal may be. And even if it's just maintenance cleaning. So that that sounds awesome. Thank you so much for all the time you've spent. That was amazing. That was a great discussion. And if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you know more about you where would they find your information so they're welcome to follow me on tiktok i'm actually dr underscore adhd underscore cult so they're welcome to see my pearls on there or if they want to come to my website is adhd-lifecoach.com or they're welcome to email me as well at overachieve with adhd at gmail.com Thank you. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all of the wisdom that you've shared today. Thank you so much for joining us today. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.